You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. And it's a media edition as we're talking World Series. Tim Kirchin, one of the best in the business from ESPN. How about Chris Rose from Intentional Talk and MLB Network, plus all the stuff he does for the NFL Network. And the guy calling the games on radio and now up for the Ford C. Frick Award, the great Dan Shulman from ESPN and also the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, I can't wait to what he's going to have to tell you about sports in America and Canada going forward with the pandemic. You don't want to miss that. But Tim Kirchin, you you can call him a a historian. You see him on television. You read him on ESPN.com. He's one of the best. Here is Tim Kirchin. You know, whenever I'm listening to Buster Olney's podcast, Baseball Tonight, and they bring on Tim Kirchin, he has a saying, is this a great game or what? I mean, I can't tell I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed the playoffs. How about you? They've been great, and I'm so happy for baseball because things looked so dark and gloomy three, four months ago. We weren't even sure if we were going to play, and not only did baseball get through the regular season, we're going to get through the World Series, and those two Game 7s were spectacular. The two LCSs were tremendous. The play in this postseason has been riveting i've been spellbound watching this stuff and that's without fans in the stands and with everything else that's gone wrong this year just another reminder how great october baseball is you know we had the commissioner on rob manfred during the playoffs when the a's were still in it and whether it's dave cavill our president or david forrest our gm i've said to all of them You know, the job that you guys did, the fact that you were flexible, and you're right, when the Marlins got it, and then it was the Cardinals, the A's, we even had a positive test. It was really scary, and we were like, are we really going to be able to get through this? The fact that baseball is able to get through this and have the World Series, they they need to be committed on what a great job. And, And the fact that baseball normally isn't flexible, the fact that they were flexible with this thing and they got it done. Yeah, and a lot of credit is deserved for this all the way around from the commissioner on down. But the players were so disciplined, keeping to the health and safety protocols, as was everyone else around all of these teams, because if they hadn't been diligent, we would have never finished the regular season. And without finishing the regular season, we would have never gotten to this point, and we would have missed all this great baseball in October. So let's just hope this good feeling and this great October leads us into the off season. And hopefully it won't be as bad as some people think it'll be because the games in October have been great. Okay. Before we get to the world series, I was just thinking about today. I've been so excited that we've had baseball every single day. I understand having a day off for travel and television, all that. 
But it was like weird waking up today going, God, we're not going to have a baseball game. I think the thing that I think I've enjoyed the most is the fact that we have games every single day. Well, and most days we have multiple games. Yeah. And one day we had eight games. I mean, it, it has been a baseball fan's absolute dream is to have this many games. And I, I know the off days are important to keep people healthy and keep rotations together. And it makes for a better game if you get an off day once in a while. But part of me just wants them to play seven straight games because that's <laughs> how baseball is played. It's best played when it's played every day. So. I understand everything, and I'm going to enjoy it no matter what because, again, baseball in October is so good. You just want more and more games, not fewer games. I, I got to tell you, Tim, I've heard, you know, be, being in this business a long time and covering uh, the four major sports, I've heard a lot of excuses over the years about market size. Well, right now we're looking at the Tampa Bay Lightning. They've won the Stanley Cup. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are in the World Series, and Tom Brady and the Buccaneers yesterday just beat the Packers. You know, if the Rays end up winning the World Series with the 28th payroll, there's not going to be a lot of people around the game, do you think, can make excuses anymore about market size and payroll? Absolutely. That's why I think the Rays are good for baseball. The Rays are showing you if you draft and develop properly, you can really bring players along. If your system is such that you can find guys in the rough somewhere and then polish them and make them better, they can become really good major league players. And that's what's happened in so many ways. But most important, the Rays are showing you that you don't have to have the best players on a certain roster as long as the team plays the game the right way. And I don't care how corny that sounds, that's exactly what's happening here. They play the game better than anyone else. They put the they strike out a lot, but they they play great defense. They keep the double play in order. They don't make mistakes on the bases. And their manager Kevin Cash just has these guys thinking we're all together in this. Everyone on that team plays. Everyone on that team is important. Other teams have five star players and nobody else. The Rays have 28 players, all of whom can help. They had 12 guys save a game this year in the regular season. That's an unbelievable number for. 60 games, historically large, and that just shows you Kevin Cash has total faith in everyone on his roster. And then on the flip side, is this finally the Dodgers' time? Is this when Clayton Kershaw can really submit his legacy? You think about Dave Roberts. You think about all these players. You know, bringing bring along Mookie Betts, and my God, his defense in right field has just been spectacular. Could this finally, Tim, be the Dodgers' time and finally get a World Series for the first time since 1988? Well, this is baseball, so there are no guarantees to anything, but this is the best Dodger team I know that I've seen, and I've been covering for 41 years. They are loaded offensively. They led the major leagues in home runs and led the major leagues in ERA. The last team to do that was the 1944 Cardinals. It's hard to do. Plus, their bullpen was great the last three games. Their defense is way above average, and they have a gigantic chip on their shoulder because they haven't won since 1988. That was their 10th 3-0, 3-1 deficit that they've faced as an organization, as a franchise, and that's the first time they've ever come back from 3-1 to win. So maybe they have tremendous momentum but anyone who's going to discount the Rays at this point just hasn't been watching them play this year or the last three years I think the Dodgers are going to win in seven games but 
with this crazy postseason, who knows? Yeah, uh, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fabulous, and and I really love the way we have seen managers. I know we love star players, and we love Randy Johnson coming out of the bullpen, and we love Madison Bumgarner doing that. But I, I've really enjoyed, and you've kind of touched on it already, the fact that, and speak to this, Tim, the fact that you're really having to utilize your entire roster to get it done. Right, and I love what Kevin Cash, I mean, I love what Dave Roberts did yesterday, where he said Julio Urias has, is thrown really well. He's given up one run in 16 innings in this postseason. So we left him in instead of bringing his closer in. And Kenley Jansen, who struggled, has been really good the last two times out. But this is very encouraging to me that we're actually watching the games. We're keeping the human element involved. And all Dave Roberts had to do was look at this young guy and said, he's our best option here in the ninth inning. Even with just a one-run lead, that kid pitched great, but... Again, in this crazy season where it's been so difficult to get your arms around it, this is the best way to play this year. Use as many guys as you can. Keep them as fresh as possible because of so many games compacted into such a short amount of time. You know, from the A's perspective, Tim, there's the rumors that Billy Bean could be leaving the organization. If Billy Bean leaves baseball, what do you think his legacy is as a baseball man? Well, he's one of the best executives, one of the best general managers of all time. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer, and I think he should be. He's done so much. He's been so creative, so resourceful, that he's helped people look at the game in a completely different way. So even though he hasn't won a World Series, he is a great general manager. He's brought along a great staff with him. So even if he does leave, and I'm not sure he is, uh, the A's will be in good hands. But I think it's difficult to argue if someone were to say Billy Bean is a Hall of Fame executive, I would say yes. And his imprint on the game is undeniable and it's going to last for a long time. Yeah, you're kind of a big deal when Brad Pitt plays you in a movie, right? (laughs) I watched that again the other day. I was just flipping channels. It It was really good. And Billy's really good, too. And if he does leave, the baseball will be worse without him, believe me. When you look at a lot of the changes, and I think we've all enjoyed so much baseball, and and I know a lot of people are like, ah, when you have this many teams, you know, you could have an under 500 team be in the World Series. Well, we're getting the number one seed against the number one seed. But all the changes this year with the extra innings rule and the three uh, batter minimum and all that – what do you like? What would you keep? And what would you get rid of? Well, I liked everything for this year because it was such a bizarre season. But I would get rid of everything next year, everything except for the DH. I would keep the DH in both leagues, although I would tell you I would let the pitchers bat in both leagues. I don't care. I just want the same set of rules in each league. And just being practical, the union is not going to give up a DH job. And it does keep guys healthier. It does keep pitchers healthier, in theory. And it takes a great player. You can get him off his feet for nine innings and let him take four at bat. So I think that's it. The other ones I can do without. Sorry, seven innings is not the way the game was drawn up 150 years ago. We should play nine no matter what. I don't like the runner on second base rule for next year. 
Uh, I, I don't like any of the rules for next year, but I love them all for this year because, again, this year was different. It was necessary. Tim, you're the best. Enjoy the World Series, and we'll talk to you in the off, say, off season. Be well and be safe. Okay, thanks so much, Chris. See you. We always love having Chris Rose on. Intentional Talk is such a great show on MLB Network, him and Kevin Millar, and then his work on NFL Network. We always love catching up with Chris Rose. Well, it's a very interesting time, Chris, and the way this World Series is going, it's been very, very exciting, and the L.A. Dodgers up 3-2 have a chance to put it away tonight in Arlington. Well, yeah, I mean, do they have a chance? Absolutely. Uh, Do I give the pitching edge to the Rays? Yes, I do. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how Gonsolin does uh, on full rest and, you know, now not being yanked back and forth between a certain role. Uh, maybe that kind of clears his head a little bit because he's got stuff to plays. He's, he's, he's really talented. Um, you know, with Blake Snell, we saw what he could do. He was throwing, you know, no hit ball through the first four, ran into some trouble. And the Rays have been very steadfast in that if they get to a certain part of the other team's lineup, no matter how well their starting pitcher is going, they're going to they're gonna bring in their arms, those fire-breathing dragons out of the pen. Uh, so, you know, I wouldn't expect Snell to get past the fifth. Um, you know, I think the furthest he's gone all year is five and two-thirds. So th- I, I think that's the way it's going to roll. Isn't that crazy how, you know, when we were growing up, we always talked about the starting pitching. It's about the starting pitching. And now, as you just said, this is a guy, Snell, who's one of Cy Young. You're like, if you can get five out of him, great. I mean, just talk about how dramatically different life is where where we can talk starting pitching, but reality is the bullpens are going to play big. Well, look at the number of guys in, in this series alone who throw 100, right? I mean... <laughs> you know, Glass now is a starter that throws 100. Dustin May has been both a reliever and a starter throughout the postseason. He throws 100. Greater all, you know, on a bad day, he's thrown a 101. Uh, Fairbanks for the Rays is throwing 100. It's just, you know, if, if you got one guy in the World Series when we were growing up that threw 100, you were like, oh, my God, that guy's ridiculous. And now it's everybody. and it's guys out of the pen and it's not easy. Like, you know, you're like, Oh really? What's the difference between 94 and a hundred? Kevin Millar, the guy I work with on intentional talk, will tell you the difference between 194. <laughs> He's like 94. Yeah, you can handle hundred. You're just like, geez, man, oh man. So, you know, I guess it's, it's what's worked for the Rays in particular. And they're two wins away from winning it all. So we can sit here and, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with it, but I, I guess people who don't follow the Rays on a regular basis are like, man, what are they doing? But it's worked. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because obviously being in the American League, we, you know, seeing the Rays so much and, you know, just playing them in the wild card game, you know, it's like it's like funny in the Bay Area and, I'm sh- and I, I assume Southern California is the same way, you know, like Dodger fans or Giant fans, really don't pay that much attention to the American League. But obviously, if you're an Angels fan or you're an A's fan, you know all about it. It's like it's like people don't get this is what the Rays do. They've been doing this for a long time. It's a bunch of nameless, faceless kind of guys, but they come out and they beat you. They're, they're like that fighter. Like they, they can take 
they can take a lot of punches, but it's really tough to knock them out. Yeah, I mean, this is this is how they have. It's how they're built. It's the way they've managed to go about their business. I mean, they're twenty eighth in payroll going into this year, right? I mean, if you add up the the contracts of what Kershaw and Betts and Turner and there's one other guy on the Dodgers who's very well paid, but if the four of them, I think, made more than the Rays combined. And, um, you know, I, I guarantee you that when the Rays made the World Series this year, there were a few owners that got on the phone with their GMs the next day saying, okay, so let me get this straight. Our payroll is twice what the Rays are paying, and we didn't even sniff the playoffs. What the hell are we doing? And I am all for, I want to get this out there, I am all for players getting paid whatever they can. I, I totally am. But there are certain teams that I, I guarantee you because of their market size are, are leaning more in the direction of the Rays than they are the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, not the, you know, you talk about our audience, you know, it's Moneyball. I mean, we've been doing this for yeah. a long, long time. And we, whenever I talk, Chris, whenever I talk to Rays people, I go, we're like almost like twins. When you when you look at the – we actually spend more money than the Rays do. But you look at the issues on the field. You look at the issues uh-huh. you know, trying to get a new ballpark. Uh, we're yep. very similar. But I have a lot of respect. I, I think just, you know, from, from the way they run their business, they have issues. But the fact that they continue to win, they continue to make money. Yeah, they're not spending a lot, but the value, I think all of us have to look and just, you know, you got to appreciate how, how they take care of their business. Well, you do, but here's what it does. It lowers your margin of error significantly. It means you have to draft well, and you have to have the ability. I think that one thing that the Rays' current administration has been great with is what I like to call sifting through baseball's recycling cans. Half of their 28-man roster uh, in in the World Series are guys that they obtained through trade. So what that means is other teams didn't want them and other teams didn't want them, not because they couldn't afford them. I mean, let's be honest, the rate, when was the last time the Rays made a deal because somebody else had a financial issue? Like never. So <laughs> what, what they've done is they've grabbed all these guys that for one reason or another didn't fit in a team's plan. They looked at them and they said, I can't believe you're, you're putting this in your recycling bin. Like, no, 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 this isn't recyclable. This is great. This is a treasure. And it fits what they do. Uh, I mean, pretty much on a nightly basis, the only homegrown guys you're seeing in the lineup are Brandon Lau and Kevin Kiermeyer. Everybody else, you know, and Brasso was was a draft choice too, but he hasn't started a ton. Really, everybody else you're seeing played somewhere else and failed somewhere else and is now succeeding in Tampa. Yeah, that's kind of the, the the trippy thing about this World Series is you think the Rays would be a bunch of homegrown guys, and that's actually more the way the Dodgers have gone about it than the Tampa Bay Rays. But I, I want to get into Clayton Kershaw because people have just ripped this guy. I mean, he's an all-time great. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, but they've ripped him for the postseason. Another win yesterday, five and two-thirds, gave up to earn, and he's now 2-0 in the World Series. Is this changing the narrative on his postseason career? You think what he's doing right now? Not for me. I, I mean, I think that not for me in the standpoint of 
I didn't, I mean, I understand it. Like he had coming into this world series or this postseason or whatever it was, the worst ERA, the highest ERA of any pitcher who had thrown a hundred playoff innings. And so I get it. But when I looked at Clayton Kershaw prior to this postseason run, he had some outstanding playoff starts. He had some really good playoff starts and he had some terrible innings. And the reason I break it up into that group was I think the Dodgers had done him a disservice over the years. Now, ultimately, Kershaw's the one responsible. He wants the ball. He wants to be out there for his team. That's exactly who he is. But the Dodgers never sufficiently built a team around him that could bail him out. You know, he had to pitch to Matt Adams in that game against St. Louis. And I think ended up losing like three two or something like that, right? In a in a game six, something like that. He had a couple of terrible innings against the Astros in twenty seventeen. But you know what nobody talks about? Is how in game one he lit up the Astros. He struck out like eleven. And nobody talks about the fact that in game seven he came out of the bullpen and threw four shutout innings. You can't dismiss that stuff either. You can't say, Oh, well, 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 I'm only gonna focus on this on what happened in game five in 2017. Like, if you're going to tell the story, tell the complete story. And so I am happy for him that he has now gone through two World Series appearances, and it's the first time he's ever won two games in a playoff series, in a singular series. Um, That I guess, yeah, it'll shut some people up, but it, it never changed my mind because I knew exactly who he was all along. Yeah, he's truly, you know, one of the greats. By the way, how much fun is it watching guys stealing bases, seeing a little small ball? Chris, we even saw someone try and steal home, for God's sakes. Yeah, a straight steal of home, which I, I don't think we had seen that attempt in the World Series since 1982. Uh, we had seen some guys on the back end of a double steal, but that's a totally different animal. I love the play, particularly when you're facing Kershaw, whom you didn't hadn't done much against in game one. I think this is the way the Rays have to have to play in game six. And if there's a game seven, they can't sit around and pretend that they're the Dodgers offense. So I loved it. I think that you have to be able to change your tack. You know, I mean, the Rays have scored 70% of their runs in the playoffs via the home run. It's a hard thing to do, man. It's hard. You know, you can't sit around. This isn't like Earl Weaver, the Orioles, let's play for the three-run homer. Because, you know, how often have we seen the Rays get two guys on for a guy? It just, it hasn't happened, particularly against the Dodgers starting pitching. So I loved it. You know, I think about what you do, uh, MLB Network, and also in the NFL. Just just how happy are you that, that we're getting through this in baseball, and we're actually getting through this in the NFL also? Yeah, I mean it's 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 a real challenge. Um, you know, when it, baseball was the first non-bubble team sport to really give this a shot, right? All the other team sports had been in a bubble, and they took some lumps, you know, with the Marlins situation and the Cardinals situation. But ultimately, they got through it, and uh, you know, I mean. It's a, it's a real challenge where we are. I mean, I, listen, I, I live in L.A. You're up in Northern California. There's a lot that we can't do that the rest of the country is doing. Um, 
and I'm not going to get into the, the policymakers and the decision makers about being right and wrong and who say, but I do think that playing these sports has been so important for the country's psyche. Okay. Um, that's a real big thing. It is because at a time where our kids can't go back to school and our kids can't play organized sports through school and things of that nature, to have something that galvanizes a community is, uh, is immeasurable in terms of its importance. You know, I'm glad you bring that up because I actually have a family restaurant in San Diego and we've had people in the restaurant down there at 25% for over a month. It was just right. last week here in the Bay Area. We were allowed to have 25 just last week. It's unbelievable. And that's where I think about your show, Intentional Talk. And I think the way you guys entertain, you do a great job doing baseball and you entertain. And that's one of the reasons why ESPN picked your guys show up because, you know, so much of baseball is not about having fun for some reason. Just talk about how your show, it's all about fun and entertaining. And that's why I think your show is so successful. Well, I mean, what has been the, the, MO for baseball critics for years, if not decades. Well, baseball players aren't interesting. That's BS. They are interesting. The way we covered them has not been interesting. So shame on us. And I think we've been really fortunate with Intentional Talk and some other shows that we do on the network. You know, MLB Central in particular does a really good job of it, uh, of showing off the personalities you know you're seeing it more even on the rundown which is our our kind of our midday show from uh 11 to one o'clock uh pacific time uh, of just kind of showing off who these guys are um breaking down the walls you know trevor bauer has done a great job on his social media platform and his youtube channel um but let's not act like we haven't been trying this we've been doing this for 10 years Hopefully people have enjoyed what we like to call the best interview in baseball. And we're not the first to ever do it, but I think that we've done a pretty good job of consistently showing that these guys are fun uh, outside talking about the three, two slider that they're facing. Yeah. Well, your show is second to none. You guys do a great job and uh, we always appreciate having you on. Enjoy the rest of the world series. Be safe and let's talk soon. You do the same. Thanks as always. Well, it's an honor to say that Dan Shulman is up for the Ford C. Frick Award. That gets you in the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster. It's a pretty big deal. We caught up with him during the World Series, and Dan was calling the games for ESPN. He's also the voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. Here is Dan Shulman. Well, Dan, it's been a wild series so far from, from Petco, and uh, thought that the Astros were in big-time trouble, but they got knocked down, and they, they've gotten up off the deck, and they continue to fight. Uh, it's got to be a fun series to call on ESPN. Yeah, it really is. And I know a lot of people, especially probably your listeners, aren't big Astro fans, but, <laughs> you know, what they've done the last couple of games excuse me, has been pretty impressive. You know, to hang on and win game four, to walk off game five, to be doing it with all these rookie pitchers. Um Really, all of the games have been close. And if you take out the Altuve throwing errors, Houston might have won this series already. They certainly would be leading in the series. So uh, it has been a lot of fun. And I try to be neutral at all times. I just like good games, and we're having good games. You know, the, the fact is, and, you know, it, it's tough for us to say it because we just look like whiners when we say it. But the reality is no fans in the ballpark 
really saved the Astros season. It saved them in the postseason. We remember talking to Richard Justice from MLB.com, who's covered this team for years, saying, you know, they looked absolutely worn out at the end of spring training. And what was that going to be like when they had to go on the road? But no fans, they've benefited. And, you know, I mean, you, you got to give them credit. They continue to win. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I don't know how anybody would argue that point. Like, to me, that's not even opinion. I think that's fact, that had there been fans in the stands this year and had it been a 162-game season, uh, I think it really, really would have taken a toll on the Astros. Um, but a short season, no fans, neutral parts now in the postseason, I think they've benefited from all of those things. And the only thing I would say is it's not like, Cheating made Altuve great, or cheating made Correa very good, or cheating made Springer. Very, they were all. They have a lot of really good players, and they cheated. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Altuve was great before all of this started. So they've still got an experienced, talented core of position players um, who are playing pretty well right now. They didn't hit much at all the first couple of games, but they're they're playing better. Um, but there, there's no question that I, I think it would have been a totally different set of circumstances for them had there been fans in the stands all year. Well, and then you just think about how mental this game is. I mean, we've only seen one team. We talked about at nauseum about the Red Sox in 04 and Dave Roberts, the biggest stolen base probably in the history of the game. No team's ever come back from down 03. So, does the pressure now go on to the Tampa Bay Rays because they were up 3-0 and they've now lost two in a row? Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, in game four, it was like, okay, if they lose one, it's still 3-1. to one. And then I thought, you know, Houston had a lead yesterday, but Tampa Bay clawed back, eventually tied it, deeper bullpen, more rested. I thought as soon as Tampa Bay tied it, they're going to win the game. Um, and had Houston not won it in the bottom of the ninth, they were going to their starter, Framber Valdez, for today. They were going to him in extra innings. Like, it might be the case that Houston had to win the game in the bottom of the ninth, or they were done. But they did. Correa hits the home run off the best guy that the Rays have in Nick Anderson. But I think all the pressure is on Tampa Bay right now, and I think a lot of it's on Blake Snell. They need a decent outing out of him. Uh, I don't know if they need an overpowering outing out of him, but, you know, Valdez is very good, uh, as you know, as you saw this year. Lance McCullers Jr., I thought, was nails in his start. Um, in the in game two of this series, and all the pressure's on Tampa Bay. If you're the team that was up three to nothing, I don't know how the pressure isn't on you. Plus, they were the favorite; they were the one seed coming in. They were forty and twenty. Houston was twenty nine and thirty one. So, you know, if Houston gets out to a lead uh, in the middle innings today, it really starts to get tight for the Rays. The only thing is, Houston's bullpen's been used a lot, and none of Dusty's best guys are really fresh. Maybe one of them, Javier, because he didn't pitch last night. Tampa Bay's still fresher in the pen. But if Houston gets out to a lead, this one gets really interesting. Yeah, we've talked so much all year long about the Rays and Kevin Cash and how they utilize their entire roster. But I think you just said it best right there. This is a time where they need their starter to go deeper into a game and not solely rely on, well, we got all these bullpen arms. Right. Uh, and, and deeper might just mean six, right? I mean, it's 2020. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's expecting him to go seven or eight. I don't think anybody's gone more than seven in the playoffs. And, and I know there have only been three games in the playoffs where both starting pitchers have gone six innings, which is crazy. But, you know, that's the, that's the era that we live in right now. But, you know, Snell was good in game one, five innings, only one run, but he threw 105 pitches. And so they had to take him out after five innings. And he can be overpowering, but his command can come and go. And, 
he's their guy, their game one starter, their former Cy Young award winner, like he's their guy. And it's, uh, they need a, a decent start out of him because I don't think that Kevin Cash, I, I think, you know, he'd go to Anderson again. He's got Pete Fairbanks. He really wants to get to Diego Castillo. I think that's the guy that he wants to get to at the end of the game if the game is on the line of the proper matchups. And for him to to manage his bullpen the way that he wants to, he's got to get at least five, hopefully six, out of Blake Snell. You know, Dan, I don't want to sound like uh, get off my lawn like I'm some old guy, but isn't it sad? We're like, can't you at least give me six? Can't we get <laughs> two guys to start the game to go six innings? I know. I, I'm a little bit like that, too, and I and, and I don't think it's get off my lawn. It, you know, part of the allure of the sport to me as a kid, this is how old I am, was opening up the newspaper and looking at the starting pitchers matchups for the day because they meant something. There aren't as many of those matchups that mean something now. Um, you know, hitters have done a great job. They foul off more pitches, um, and, and pitch counts just are higher now than they used to be. You know, in the old days, guys didn't want to strike out. The ball was in play more. Uh, pitchers didn't throw 98. You got a little. You got a lot of earlier outs. You got a lot of earlier hits. You got a lot of quicker resolutions in at bats, and guys could get through a game throwing 95 or 100 pitches. Now they can't get through six innings throwing 95 or 100 pitches. So, uh, like I love the sport, I always have, I always will. But some of the stuff that I liked the best is gone now. And those are the big starting pitching matchups. I love speed. I love defense. They're still great. They're still important, but they're not as important as they used to be. You know, this series is a little bit of an exception because the Rays have been phenomenal defensively, certainly in the first three games that they were, but the ball's not in play as much anymore. When the ball's not in play, I think you lose, you know, some of the beauty of the game. What is your take on the NLCS where Atlanta now leads the Dodgers 3-1 in that series? I think the Braves have been the best story in the playoffs, and, and I was totally wrong on them. I didn't think they'd get by Cincinnati. I, I thought Cincinnati, with the pitching they had with Bauer and Castillo and Gray, they never even got, even got to Gray. I, I thought that you know they beat Atlanta, and Atlanta, if I'm remembering correctly, not only swept them, they shut them out in both both games, uh, and then they threw two shutouts in the division series as well. You know what Max Fried and Ian Anderson have done, young pitchers like that to lead this kind of injury riddled rotation is amazing because I know like a lot of people, I thought, well, if only they had Mike Soroka, boy, they really could have had a good playoff. They're doing this without Mike Soroka, who probably would have been their number one guy uh, had he been healthy. Uh, they can really hit like they are. They are every bit as good offensively as Dodgers or Yankees or White Sox or whoever else you wanted to talk to from this year. And the Dodgers just, it's amazing. Every single year, they're the best team in baseball on paper and every single year, something goes wrong in the playoffs. And I know there's a lot of Kershaw talk, and I know he wasn't, you know, the sixth inning obviously didn't go well for him last night. This is more than just Kershaw. Like, there's something to the narrative. I get it. He hasn't been as good as he's been over the course of his career. He's also not prime Kershaw anymore, but uh, it's it's more than that. I mean, they have other holes. You know, Bueller's got a blister, so he can't go as deep. Jansen's not who he was anymore, so that's changed their the roles in the bullpen. And other than a couple of enormous innings, the ninth inning of game two and obviously the first inning of game three, they haven't hit the ball very well. Like Bryce Wilson comes out and holds them to one hit in six innings. That's not Kershaw's fault. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of things that they're not doing well right now, and they're really up against it. You know, I want to get your perspective on the season, and we had a lot of fun talking about the Blue Jays. We call them the Baby Jays, and they became the Buffalo Jays. Uh, we joked that they were the best team at one point in the state of New York. 
And I just think, you know, there, there's certain teams, I think about the Marlins, I think about the Cardinals, because uh, all the positive tests for COVID-19. I think of the Blue Jays. You're not allowed to play in your home stadium. You're not allowed to play in your country. You got no idea where you're going to play. And the fact that the Blue Jays made the playoffs, I know they were the eighth seed. I don't care. I think what a, what a victory that was for that franchise with everything they had to go through. Yeah, I agree with you, and obviously I'm, I might be a little bit biased because I call their games, but you know, and I, and I get that people were making jokes uh, about it, and you know, that might have been more directed at, like the Mets and the Yankees when they were struggling. But like, like they did go through a lot. I mean, for some of them, um, you know, they rented apartments, couldn't stay in them. Families didn't know whether they could come or go. All kinds of rules that they had. They were quarantined at the Rogers Center for 17 days during summer camp. Couldn't leave the ballpark. Uh, for 17 days. Then they thought they'd be in Pittsburgh. Then they thought they'd be in Baltimore. And, and it just didn't work out. And, and they could have crumbled. You know, they could have they could have just kind of packed it in mentally. And they didn't. And that's worth something. That, to me, is a very good sign going forward about this team, that they kind of persevered, did it in the East, where, you know, schedules are tough like they were in the West. It's not like they were playing in the Central or anything like that. And, and um you know, won the games they had to win to get into the playoffs. And they weren't a great team. They're flawed. They're young. They're frustrating. But they're also exciting and talented and improving. And I think the fact that they got to the playoffs was big for them this year. My biggest concern, to be honest, going forward is I'm not sure the border is going to be open by April of next year. And it's really got kind of got to be open or they've got to get an exception by, like, February. You've got to know what's going on. And it's one thing to do it for two months. It's another thing to, to get the word that, okay, you got to do it again. And if they had to play, I don't know if it would be Buffalo again or if they would make some alternate arrangement. I really don't know. I think it would be really hard for six months. They, they need to, to be in their ballpark. But, you know, that's, that's up to the virus and that's up to the Canadian government. And I, and I totally respect the government wanting to be as careful as they can with things. So, you know, for a million different reasons, I'm hoping things are a lot better in the next few months. Yeah, let's end on this because we had the commissioner on, Rob Manfred, uh, during the playoffs, and I asked him about the offseason, and he said point blank that the virus will dictate how the offseason goes. And so we're just not talking about baseball. You know, hockey can't do a full season in the bubble. The NBA can't do a full season in the bubble. So you got the American teams, uh, you know, how are they going to be able to play in Canada, vice versa? Uh, whether you're talking about the Raptors or the, the NHL. I mean, if they don't open the border, I, I don't know what these sports are going to do. Yeah, the Raptors are in the same boat as the Blue Jays and maybe even tougher because they would have to start earlier. So the Raptors could spend the whole year playing on the road. And, and um, I think it would be easier to find an arena that would be suitable than a ballpark that would be suitable, but I might be wrong there. Um, the hockey thing is even more complicated, I guess, because there there are seven Canadian teams. Like, what if you just have a Canadian division, right? What if the Canadian teams just play each other for the entire regular season, whatever that is? And then you have three other divisions, uh, and you and then you bubble for the playoffs. So that that might actually be a solution for them because you've got seven teams. But uh, I'll tell you, there are some great things about being Canadian. I love being Canadian. <laughs> But there are some complicated things, too. And, you know, I'm, I'm going through some of them on a personal level. I'm in Connecticut right now for the playoffs for ESPN Radio. And when I go back to Canada, when I'm done, i got to isolate for two weeks. If, I, if my son wants to go to school, I can't isolate my house. So I've actually, like, rented a place for a couple of weeks when I get home. 
so my son can keep going to, to school. And that, you know, it's a decision my wife and I made. What's more important, him going to school or me being in the house? And she booted me out. So he's going to school. So, <laughs> so I'm going to rent a place for a couple of weeks. But, you know, again, these, these are uncharted waters and everybody's trying to just do the best they can in these complicated times. Well, I'm glad he's able to go to school because where we are here in Northern California, we've been on lockdown since mid-March. So my yeah. kids right now are doing high school from my living room. My my wife's a first grade teacher and she's doing it on Zoom. We haven't been able to go to a restaurant. We, I mean, we're, we're like the most locked down. So I, I, I feel you. I, it's, and to think that you're in Bristol calling a playoff game at Petco Park in San Diego is just crazy. But let me tell you, you're one of the best in the business. I love listening to you. And it's always an honor to have you on the program we really appreciate it be well be safe and have a good call today all right i appreciate that same to you take care we'd like to thank tim kirchin from espn chris rose from mlb network and dan shulman from espn and the toronto blue jays now back to a cast powered by iHeartRadio. this has been a presentation of the oakland athletics